Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man who wants to learn about personal growth, life lessons, and leadership, tune in to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. I meet you, Bear. Mr. Jason Cleveland. Dude, I'm pumped hey, to have you back, man. I was just hey. listening to... Uh, I was listening to the first time you came in. That was over a year ago. Over a year ago, really? I didn't realize it was been that long. Isn't that crazy? Because we were talking. Yeah. yeah, we were talking about 2021, and um, we were talking about how uh, how your girl had two years left before you guys were popping champagne and celebrating. So I know she's only got a, like a year left, maybe, right? That's right. That's right. We're popping champagne. Uh, uh, actually, March of 2023. 2023. Yeah, next year. So it's yeah, coming up so quick, dude. Yeah. Oh. Dude, I was looking through some old photos. It's crazy. I'll have to send you some of these old photos or not even that old, just like from 2016, some videos and stuff. It's pretty gnarly. I'll, I'll, um, Please. I'll, sh I'll share it with you after the, after this, uh, talk. Please I think you'll do, man. Please do so rad. So yeah, I mean, it was just, I was going back and listening. I just going, Holy cow, man. I didn't realize. So it's really cool. So we've got, you know, a bunch of obviously new guys. We've got a couple of OGs cause we've got, you know, some of these guys, if they go through the 12 months, if they really pour into those 12 months, they just stay on in perpetuity, no charge for free. We want them to be able to lead and just continue to stay a part of this, you know, part of this group. So we've got a couple OGs on here, but then of course we got a whole bunch of um, new guys in here too that, that didn't get to meet you. So I'm excited to have you back, man. Super, super grateful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, I think what you're doing is awesome. And uh, thank you everybody for taking the time to join or listen to this later on. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people out there that aren't taking steps to try and develop their own skills, to learn new things. And uh, you guys are already taking those steps. So I appreciate that. Man, it's a big deal. So um, before we jump into some stuff, because I, I have a specific way I kind of want to take this and, and um, see what we can do with this. But I want to hear about the trip to Africa, man. How was it? Where did you even go for like what? What was it? I know when I was on your podcast, you were talking about how you were going out and I was like, oh, sweet. But I don't know what you even went for. Like, what was it? Oh, no. Is he frozen up for you guys? You guys are all frozen. Because you're everybody else is good for me except for you. All right. I think we're good. Okay. We got back, huh? That's yeah. so weird, man. Yeah, you and I, dude. Okay, so the last time I had, yeah, the last time I had this issue was you and me. Um, dude, I think and we I just had, had it since too much energy between it's, us. It's just, yeah, it, it's <laughs> too much excitement, man. Too much good stuff. Yeah, so crazy, man. Okay, so sorry. So hopefully, that so, so I, I got back uh, this week, earlier this yeah. week from Africa, and we were there for 15 days, and it was a bucket list trip for my father-in-law. So my father-in-law, you know, he's, you know, he's. Uh, late 60s early 70s whatever and he has two goals two bucket list trips and the first one is going to africa and being on the safari yeah. and the second one is going up on the spaceship and going into outer space so he signed up seven years ago for richard branson's uh like flight simulator or whatever no like the you know, like rocket yeah. and he's supposed to go next year he just got passed uh he just got the acceptance letter seven years later so no way yeah, so he's going up into space, but for us, he's going to Africa. So two kids, uh, eight and 11 years old, a boy and a girl. And with us and then um, three others in the family, we went to Africa. We went to Kenya. We went to Tanzania. 
We got to go meet the local tribes. We got to go out into the uh, bush. We got to go see everything you could possibly think of from a cheetah eating an animal to lions attacking to you name it. Um, nature is brutal. It's authentic. And it really left me feeling like a, a few, few big takeaways. One is that, you know, in this very filtered world that we live in, yeah. this was very unfiltered, very yeah. unfiltered. Like you just see it raw. And if you're going to be the, the weaker of the herd, you're going to end up getting, mm. um, yeah. and, and that was very evident to us. Right. Um, and then obviously spending time with the local tribes was really cool. Learning about the Maasai culture. I had been out to Kenya 10 years ago to build schools. Um, and so that was a little bit of a different experience, but it was cool to see the way different indigenous peoples, uh, different groups live. And one of my big takeaways, and this is relevant to the, everybody listening is that we were in, um, we went to a, um, uh, like a, a village and it was all mud huts built They're They're, they're designed originally with like some wood sticks. They then put on some, uh, traditional mud and they finished it actually with cow manure or something of that nature right. to help so that there's no, um, uh, issues with, um, anyways, so they, they finish out these huts and they don't even have any roofs on them. It's just basic grass. And these people live with such minimal necessities. They have no power, no running water. And yet they're some of the happiest, joyous people ever. And it really opened my eyes to this idea that in a world where my kids have so many things, these yeah. people have no things, but yet they don't know any other way. And they're extremely happy. So those were a few of the takeaways from our trip. So interesting, man. So there's a couple things that there's a couple things that I, I want to um, pull apart out of that. So one, talking about nature and talking about the fact that nature is brutal and seeing what you guys saw, and that's the reality of the world. And again, we're very much cushioned from that, um, you know, with the way that that we live, right? We're very much detached from that kind of that kind of concept. One, how did your kids? um deal with that and did you what were the conversations like on that i want to start i want to start there uh, at first it's a little at first it's a little um it's different right because you you yeah. start off and you like you see these elephants they're all pretty and then you see the giraffes and it's all pretty and then all of a sudden it goes from like oh like these like creatures to you see our first within the first hour of our first safari we watched a lioness drag a dead zebra across the road wow. and it was so incredible the strength yeah. this lion had the power it had um the kids at first i mean you just have to know going into it that this is an unfiltered world yeah and immediately the kids kind of realize like wow okay we're in for a we're in for a a, a different experience than what you get when yeah. you order a hamburger at the local totally. you know store and i think they really embraced it right they embraced the fact that nature is brutal and that you know yeah you might you might feel bad for the zebra but then do you not feel bad for the lion the lion has to eat too like it's right. just the way it goes right and and that was kind of like the cycle of life that you really saw. Like, you know, you saw vultures going after things. You saw hyenas attacking. And it's just this, this cycle, right, where you have the predator, you have the prey, yep. and you have all that builds up. And without the zebras, you can't have the lions. Without the lions, it That's may right. not impact the zebras. It just goes both ways. Yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship. I think there is something so... I think there's something so valuable for our, our young people to, to be able to grasp that as early as possible and not have um, the... I want to make sure I say it the right way, not just not have the emotional attachment to it. And I mean that in like a, 
um, you know, a Disneyland uh, kind of way, a Disney depiction of like, you know, we over um, characterize and personalize, humanize, humanize these, the animals and that whole thing, right? So we think, oh, okay, all the animals are just going to die happy with their loved ones around them. And, you know, and, and, but that's not really how the world works. And it's not that I want to desensitize my kids to it, but I want them to have an understanding. And I think that's a beneficial thing, but, you know, I've gotten, I've definitely gotten pushback from, you know, even pro we have a processing facility on our ranch. And so we process animals here to, to give to local restaurants. Right. And my kids wanted to see that process. They understand what we do. They understand how that works. They wanted to see it. And I definitely got a lot of people that are like, you're desensitizing them to violence. And, you know, and I get their perspective, but I, I think there's, um, I, I think there's a maturity and a peace that comes from understanding that that's how the world really works. Yeah. I mean, it, it was good for our children and I to see and yeah. this unfilteredness, like yeah. you go from a world that's totally like fabricated for you from yeah. the way your food gets onto the table to yes. the way that people show up on social media. It's all kind of like a highlight reel of different things. Oh, you go out in the middle of nowhere, you land in an airstrip that just is dirt and gravel and you just yeah. land in the middle of nowhere. You have no access to medical. You, you're just in the middle of nowhere. Yep. And to watch this, like, for example, we watched a migration where a bunch of wildebeest crossed a river and we watched a crocodile take it down. And wow. it was, it was extreme. It was intense. brutal yeah. and it was intense, but that's the way it is. And I left feeling like, you know, these animals, like if you are not strong, if you're not independent, if you don't, if you don't take care of yourself, like if you get injured or whatnot, you're dead. And, and, um, I think there was some lessons learned from that for us, like just yeah. how, how important it is to be take care of yourself yeah gosh man that's so powerful it's such a powerful way such a powerful way to expose them to that i think that's great and i think there's so many continued conversations that you're now going to get to have with your kids where you look back on it as a fond memory and amazing trip this bucket list sort of thing but it allows you to 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 really poke at some of these natural truths too with this shared experience you know and i, I think that's so powerful for you guys you know one of our tour guides and this is something that's interesting is that learning about different cultures which i think yeah. is important and when you travel or when you immerse yourself in different cultures you get different perspectives so mm -hmm. for example we were involved in one tribe that believed and they grew uh by hunting big game which yeah. is now considered poaching, but that's the way they were, they were raised and that's what they ate for their meat. And so understanding that, like learning from them and what their experience has been like going from being, this is our main food source to now it's illegal. Okay. Well tell me more stories about that. Let me understand that in the kids. And then Mako, who was our, one of our guides, he was a traditional Maasai. And so he was telling us about the culture, about allowing to have multiple wives, about the way that they work. And, and he actually had multiple wives. So here, letting my kids listen to how different cultures do it, I thought was also a valuable firsthand experience versus just like reading about it in a book. Very much so, man. And, it, and, and it's those kind of things that I think allow us to appreciate. You know, we've talked, you and I have talked a number of times about the fact that civil discourse is just gone, right? It's been eradicated in this country. And we're trying to bring that back with, you know, especially with what we're doing, you know, with, with things like this. But um, to be able to sit down and really truly understand somebody else's perspective that does live in a different way. And again, it doesn't mean you've got to agree. It doesn't mean you have to disagree, but understanding and then being able to think through the, the why and the how and all of that kind of stuff. There's, you know, there's a value there and, and, and uh, allows us to bond with people. I think that's so powerful, man. That's, I love that. You mentioned that how happy they are too, right? And it, it brings me back to that old, um, 
uh, God, I think it was, I think it was in fight club, right. Where it's where Tyler Durden says the things you own end up owning you, you know, yeah. the whole concept. Right. But you see that these guys don't own anything and they're so much happier as a whole, arguably than our society is. So what do we take away from like, how do we, how do we implement that in our own lives? Like what I'm not, you know, I don't want, I'm, like, do I want to run in there and just strip all the Legos out of the house? Like what, you know what I mean? Like what's that balance look like for us? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. So 10 years ago, I went to Kenya and I built schools yep. in the middle of nowhere. And that experience was pretty rugged. It was a very, very poor area. Yeah. And we went out there to go build schools, but really I felt defeated because as I'm out there trying to build schools, really what these people needed was water and food. Yeah. They were, they were dying. I mean, it was, it was, it was so terrible. And now 10 years later, this experience I had was different. These, this was a culture that actually had, you know, they had, they were, they were well enough off that they had food and water, but they didn't yeah. have all the other necessities. So we show up there and actually, um, uh, one of my, my sister-in-law ended up bringing stickers, which I thought was a great idea. And these kids just, we just ripped them off stickers and they were the happiest kids ever for a sticker. Yeah. They put them on their foreheads and they, a lot of these people had never seen themselves before. So I'm using my iPhone. I flipped the camera around so yeah. they could see themselves because the only exposure they have to what they look like is in like, I don't know, a river or something. Yeah, reflection. They don't have exposure to mirrors and things like that. Wow. And so, you know, I, th I think there's this blend, right? Where for them, they don't have any of the, the common things that we think about, right? Um, but yet when they get something so small, it's such a big deal for them because they're not numb to it. Whereas, yeah. for example, my children, they get all kinds of stuff all the time. And so they, if you give them a toy or you give them something, it's just kind of like a, eh, okay. Yeah. Where for these people, because their life is so kind of in this this box, when you give them something outside of it, they're so appreciative. So I, I think the lesson there is obviously we want to try and provide our kids as much as we can. And we want to try and do that in a constructive manner where they're not, you know, uh, re not becoming like a uh, completely spoiled, Yeah. but recognizing that there's a lot of people in this world that are not as fortunate as everybody on this call or that my children are that alone helps our perspective whenever we're in a situation where we're given sure. something or we earn something that there's some people that no matter how hard they work, no matter what goes on, they just can't get out of that situation, right? Yeah. Because they're just so stuck. Um, and it just, it just helps that insight that like, we, we should be grateful for the opportunities we have because everybody on this call in particular, we can go do anything we want to do. We could be yep. anything we want to be. Yep. Some of these children, although I'd love to say that some of them just are not put in that situation. They have so to try true. and put food on the table and that's their only goal for that day. Yeah. Gosh, man, what a perspective shift here. Have you, um, have you seen the Ted talk? Uh, it's called the hole, hole in the wall experiment. Mm, okay. I'll I check believe, it out. Please do. So I believe, I think you'll appreciate it on a number of levels, but, um, and, and it's an older talk. I mean, I want to say it's from like 2009 ish maybe, but it's a guy named Sugata Mitra is his, is his name, M-I-T-R-A. And what Sugata did was he went to, um, and I'm going to butcher it because it's, it's unfortunately been years since I've watched it, but the context of it is the same. So he went to one of these third world, you know, very impoverished areas um, and he put uh, an, a computer almost in like a, um, almost in like a kiosk out in the middle of this village. And I mean, you're talking about a lot of these people have never even seen their own face, right? Well, these people assuredly have never seen a computer. He put a kiosk with a computer that had internet access in the middle of this village 
and then just recorded what was going on and went away. Like they just went away. They just dropped that there. That's it. And what ended up happening, and he tells the story in this TED Talk, you've got these young heroes who are eight years old, nine years old, surely have never seen this, right? But it did not take them long before their curiosity, they started playing with it. They started learning to record themselves, record themselves on the screen, record themselves singing and playing something back. Um, they started doing all this amazing stuff that we look at our society and go, okay, well, if a, if a young person's eight years old, nine years old, we have to teach them that. We have to teach them how to do this. They'd never seen a computer, but their curiosity and their appreciation for what this is drove them to figure out how to utilize these things, right? So he took it a step further, came back later, and he put in like, and again, I'm going to butcher it. So it's just, this is roughly what happened, but he puts in, it was like college level biology course material in English. They don't speak English, right? And then after like five or six months, he was able to come back and give them college level exams in English and they could pass those around college level biology. So That's, yeah, it's cool. Resourcefulness, right? Like, right? and the desire and the perspective of they're not being bogged down by all, they were just grateful to have this. They're grateful for the opportunity to learn and grow. They were excited about it. They were curious and look what they were able to do. Whereas we've almost, I love that you use the word numb. We've like numbed our young people with so much and so many things and so many different inputs that we're almost numbing like wonder of the world out of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I you mean, know? it's just like anything, you know, like, yeah, take, you, you, you start to take for granted some things, right? Yes, and sir. so that's, that's unfortunate. Yes, sir. Yeah. Unreal, man. So what, so you talk about how is your father-in-law's bucket list? Do you have any um, kind of bucket list items for you two? Are you on a seven-year waiting list at all? I, I'm not on a seven-year waiting list to go to the moon, um, yeah. but I, I do want to go do things like Machu Picchu, um, I want to go climb the different mountains. I'd like to go, you know, we actually ended up flying out of Kilimanjaro, which is in Tanzania. Oh, wow. I, I'd, I'd like to go explore those. Um, you know, one day as the kids get older, um, you know, I'd like to convince my wife to go do those things with me. Um, I, I think there's something about this idea that's very alluring to me about climbing something. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could see why people get engaged. And one of our coaches actually just climbed Everest, which was super cool. That might be a little step above my pay grade right now. Yeah. but you know, going and doing Machu Picchu or one of those other ones, I think will be a really cool experience. So oh, that's so on the list cool. for now. Yeah, I, I agree. There's like, there's so much sim, you know, there's obviously the physical challenge, but there's a lot of sim, uh, symbolism in climbing, right? And climbing, yeah. even Apogee. So if you look at our, you know, the reason we called it Apogee and you look at the, uh, you look at the logo of it, it's, it talks about climbing and reaching the pinnacle of the mountain, like moving towards the mountain, like the continuous climb, right? That's exactly what it means. Yeah, I think that's a super cool thing. Yeah. Uh, so for, you know, if there's a few of you guys, if you guys don't know, because I know I gave you guys some background info too, but, you know, Jason was obviously a 2008 CrossFit Games uh, winner, was the second winner in the history of the CrossFit Games. Uh, more importantly, he's a phenomenal dad. He's a phenomenal husband. He's an amazingly brilliant entrepreneur and has taken this fitness journey to where not only did he have his own gyms, but he is now contracted with companies and traveled all over the world. And he's built all these um, corporate relationships. And, and so he's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant human being in a number of different areas. So what does 
kind of the day-to-day look with me. You're going off and taking these trips, but you come back and you get back to quote unquote reality for Jason. Like what does the day-to-day kind of look like for you just to give these guys a little bit of context on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, let, I'll take an, I'll take today so far, but a normal, and then I'll talk about another day. Yeah. So normally right now it's 8am uh, West coast time Pacific. Yep. And um, so I, I, I generally you know, get up before six. Uh, my daughter and I work out normally around like six thirty. Uh, today her workout was pretty basic. If you guys want to do it later on, it was run for seven minutes and then do three minutes of burpees. So it was a ten minute total time. Yeah. Run for seven minutes, three minutes of burpees, in and out. Yeah. Um. And so most days, most of the time, I get up pretty early. I do some type of workout with, particularly Ava. Later on in the day, we'll end up. Uh, doing a workout with Caden. And then I'll basically go into the gyms and I'll start doing our work. Um, I like to do a midday like workout for myself or jujitsu. And then I'll end up working some more. And then I always try to have dinner later on with the family, like around like five 30. Yeah. Get back on a little bit of emails. Boom. Uh, but in general, right, right now I'm, I'm preparing for a competition I'm doing for jujitsu September 1st. And so I'm spending, uh, lately this whole week, um, and next week I've been doing jujitsu at like 5:30 AM. And then I'll go back and come into our gym and do a workout later on in the day. Cause I want to try and perform well, September 1st in Las Vegas, I'm competing. That's then awesome. after I compete there, I'm going to shift my goals. I'm competing in a CrossFit competition. Um, and I like having these micro goals that I can set yeah. up for myself because I find that if I have a physical goal that I'm working towards, I then carry that work ethic over into other areas of my life. It'll help me get up earlier, help me work harder, and then it'll, it'll build my confidence so I can go take that into our workplace. Bingo. No, that's so cool, man. Is this your first uh, jiu-jitsu competition? No, I'm, I, I, this is probably like my sixth, but this okay. is the biggest one I've ever done. So these yeah. are going to be what they call master worlds. Yeah. And, um, you know. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Oh, I'm pumped for you, man. We got a lot of jujitsu studs um, in this program altogether, man. There's a, there's a bunch, a lot of guys that are competing like every weekend. So yeah, super cool, man. And t- what, so what's this CrossFit competition too? I mean, obviously you came out of there, you really kind of stopped competing from what I remember when, when Ava was diagnosed, right. And got sick and you kind of stopped there and started building more. So what is, what is this? Um, so yeah, so I competed professionally in CrossFit for about a decade and then, um, my daughter got sick with leukemia. And so I stopped competing there and I, I kind of shifted out, found jujitsu too, but over the last couple of years, rogue fitness has had what they call the rogue invitational Got it. and they have a category called the legends category. And, uh, so I qualify, I don't know if you want to call it like the old man category or the kind of legit category. I don't know. You call it whatever you want to call it, but it's called the legends category. And so this would be my third time competing in that the first time it was like a legitimate, like, like competition. The yeah. second time was a little bit more like low key and we'll see what happens this time. Yeah. More like the NBA all-star game kind of deal. Yeah, yeah exactly. The first time was like a legit, like yeah. we're trying to win. Second yep. time was like an NBA all-star type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen this year. That's awesome, man. Well, I think legends, I think legends fits. Um, so who else is, who else is jumping in there? Some of these, um, like, like Rich Froning, uh, Josh yeah. Bridges, Dan Bridges. Bailey, yeah, yeah, those kind of, yeah, like, cool. like people who have made contributions to the sport, um, yeah. who still want to, you know, get after it, but not necessarily compete as an individual and have that type of commitment level. That's very cool, man. That's awesome. And that's when, you know, and as, as things have gone, and I remember telling you long ago, um, you know, I got my L1 cert back in the day, you were one of the coaches and, um, you know, which was super cool. And like that Neil Maddox was there getting his, 
um, getting his cert that day. Freddie Camacho was helping run it. I met, that was the first time I met Savon and I've, you know, Savon and I have become, become buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, those are all the, all those guys you named. That's like, those are the guys I remember. Those are the guys that I've, you know, really paid attention to and, and really seen. Um, uh, so that's really cool, man. I, I love that. Yeah. So that's my goal right now is to prepare for this jiu-jitsu tournament. You know, one of the things just to share with the guys here is like, um, this is the first time I'm doing anything where I'm like rolling solo. And so I'm, I'm, I booked a, I booked a trip to Vegas. I'm rolling solo. I have no family, no yep. friends, just no you. one's coming with me. It's just me. And, uh, part of me is a little anxious about it. Obviously I might, you know, know a few people there maybe like yeah. sporadically, but I, I'm not going with any, I don't know anybody who's like, my coach isn't going, my friends aren't going. Right. And the I, part of it is kind of, um, it's kind of invigorating. It's kind of, it's kind of exciting because I want to see, you know, how can I perform when I show up, have no one to bat ideas off of, have no one to rely on except for myself. And, 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 um, yeah. So I'm, I just booked a booked trip out there. Boom. going to go out there, be, you know, head down, eyes, focus, get after a jujitsu tournament and come back. And then, and the next goal is obviously to get as uh, shredded as possible to get ready for that rogue invitational. Yeah, man. That's awesome, man. I'm excited for you. Um, Gentlemen, I'm going to have you start putting your hands up, but I have, a, I have a, another question that I kind of want to ask uh, Mr. Khalifa before I start calling on you guys, but go ahead and, and you can start getting your hands up in the chat so I can, um, or uh, yeah, in the, in yeah, we the chat talk, here. So we I can talk about business, talk about life, talk about fitness, whatever you guys want to talk about. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in. They're out there, man, because he's, he's a stud in all these areas. I, I want to, I want to uh, go a little deeper on the, on the business side, because you got kind of sure. your schedule and some of the current goals that you're working towards, which is rad. And you're talking about, you know, the, the certain blocks that you have around work. Um, what does that actually look like? So like, what are the goals right now for you? Are you more in kind of managing things day to day and, and, and kind of overseeing a staff? Are you looking at growth opportunities? Are you looking like, what does the actual work look like for you from the entrepreneurial side? Yeah. I mean, it's obviously pivoted over the years, right? So I started the company in 2008. Um, you know, for those who are unfamiliar, I, I, I was introduced to to the fitness space when I was 15. I started working the front desk at a health club. When I then went into high school, uh, I still worked there on the weekends when I wasn't playing sports and then boom, I got into college and I started doing sales at this gym, Mm -hmm. um, started learning a lot about the business side of fitness from an entrepreneur there that really took me underneath his wing. And then I found CrossFit and it really changed my life about coach, community, culture, et cetera. So we started the gym in 2008. Over those years, you kind of go in ebbs and flows as an entrepreneur. Maybe in the beginning, it's like drinking from a fire hose. You're doing everything. You're trying to do everything. Then you start recognizing what you're good at, what you're not as good at, delegating, et cetera. And so now, you know, we have a, you know, decent sized team. And so the goal for me is to kind of get out of their way, right. To empower them, to let them do what they're uniquely good at. Cause I'm not good at everything, of course. And for me to kind of focus more on, Hey, where's our brand position going? Where, what are our goals? You know, let me, let me set the the target of where we're going as an organization mm. and make sure that as we get feedback, we make appropriate shifts, right? Maybe a year ago is one goal. Well, now maybe some things have changed and maybe that goal might shift a little bit. So it's really brand building, it's relationship building. And um, that's that's what I focus most of my time on. So when I look at like my chunks of time, yeah, yeah I'm in the gyms, I'm talking to our members, I'm talking to our team, um, creating content. But um, the key for me is to try and be a, figurehead for our team to feel like they're inspired on a shared vision towards a Georgia goal. That's, that's my main focus. 
I love that, man. Yeah, I just finished up um, Simon Sinek's book, right? Uh, Starts with Why or, or whatever. He's got a famous- Yeah, yeah, Start with Why, yeah. Yeah, Start with Why. And I'd actually never read, I'd seen the TED Talk, I'd seen a bunch of stuff by him and I think I'd read something else um, that he wrote, but I hadn't read that. And it's it talks about how important that figurehead is and continuing to lean into the why. Um, and, and, you know, that that makes or breaks a lot of times the organization as it grows. And, and so it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. Do you have anybody that you brought on that's more of the how, like more of the operational um, kind of person so that you could sort of balance that out? Yeah, I mean, I mean, years ago, we ran into some major issues because I just was not the most uh, business, like financially savvy guy. Yeah. So I'd spent a lot of time trying to figure that stuff out when in reality, I should have delegated it out earlier. Hired so me. one yeah. of my best friends basically got hired on with us like seven, eight years ago. And so he's the president of the company. So he runs a lot of the day-to-day -day operations. He makes sure that we're hitting expectations that we're delivering on what we promise. And then it's my goal to kind of go out there, go seek out new business, look for opportunities and kind of go from there. Like, I'll give you a great example. Um, the new CEO of, of CrossFit, um, yeah. him and I have known each other for a long time. He just got, he just got, uh, the job. And so, you know, having meetings with him or Dave Cash or others in yep. the CrossFit space to understand where are they going, what are they doing? And then talking about us and where do we fit in that strategy or we don't, those are like the type of meetings that I like to do. It's, 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 it's creative work and it kind of sets the tone for the next decade to come. For sure. Yeah, that's your art. That's so good, man. Um, Baron, I see your question in there. So guys, remember, you can put your hands right up in there and I'll get you on there. But Baron was talking about ninja, kind of like the ninja warrior kind of stuff, man. Interested. So have you ever tried any of those um, kinds of obstacles? Is that something you would you would give it a go? Yeah. So, you know, the thing about the CrossFit games are it could be so many different events. So you yeah. had to train a lot of different things. So like I've done I'll give you, so like, as an example, I was fortunate enough to do the Navy SEAL obstacle course. And I was, I did the Marine obstacle course at Camp Pendleton, which I'm actually going back to Camp Pendleton a month from now to go train the the special unit of the Customs and Border Patrol. And I'm going to go back to this, uh, this uh, obstacle course. Anyways, um, I've done a lot of obstacle course work. I've done a lot of like pull up type bar muscle up, uh, monkey bar, that kind of stuff. I haven't done like the you know, Ninja Warrior specific, but I've done a lot of other stuff, you know, um, years ago, I mean, this is funny, but we, we had the fortune of going to the Navy SEAL obstacle course. And yeah. have you ever been there before in Coronado? I, I've, I've been to Coronado Island, but I've never, I, and I know exactly, I know the course, man. I, I've seen pictures, I've seen videos, I know the course, but I've never um, seen it in person. Dude. So they have this cargo net, right? Yeah. And and so there's like, there's like 30 of us. This is at the time, like CrossFit seminar staff. And there's like 30 of us. And so we're going through the course, but they didn't allow us to do two obstacles. One was this called a uh, slide for life, yep. uh, where you basically like slide down this rope. And the other was the um, cargo net. They didn't let us do those two, but they let us do everything else. Okay. So we're getting through it. Everything's all going good. And at the end, they're like, you know what? Underneath a structured, like whatever, we'll let you do the cargo net. Right. So Andy Stump, you know him, right? I do. Yeah. We've had Andy on yep. Andy goes to the top. So next time Andy's on, you got to let him know that this situation, Andy goes to the top, of this cargo net, this cargo net's 70 feet tall, yeah. tall enough that if you drop off the top, you're going to get like severely injured yes. or die. And, and when you land, right? Like it's, it's like on soft sand on the ground, but not like that soft. It's, it's, it's not a still it's not water. Feet, man. Yeah. yeah. And so he goes and he sits up on top of this cargo net. Like, it's just like an everyday thing. And so I'm climbing up this cargo net. Oh man. 
dude, Andy's like, he likes to riff on people. So he's giving me a bunch of crap and we're I'm, whatever. I get to the top. I've never been more terrified in my life. When you yeah. go up and over this cargo net, I mean, dude, you slip, you're done. And yeah. uh, anyways, Andy goes from being like this typical, like seal that's kind of giving me a hard time to being like super serious with me. And like, Hey man, I need you to take your right arm, do this, do that. Anyways, I got up and over, but that was oh, a good yeah. moment to kind of like break through mentally. Yes. Um, I don't know if I would do it again, but yeah. that's my cargo net story. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And that slide for life, isn't that, that's the, like the tower, right? You got to yeah. get up the tower first. And I remember seeing those guys, like, like they stand underneath it and like wrap yeah. arms and like kick their legs to go up level to level, level, right? That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. uh, and I don't think it was that part that made the, like the people worried. It's yeah. that as you slide down, you can yep. slide on top or you can slide on bottom, but if you let go, you're, you're pretty, uh, you're, you're pretty you're in trouble. You're yeah. screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay. So that brings up another question for me, but I want to make sure I get these guys when they jump in and Turner is, uh, also a CrossFit stud. So Turner, you are up, sir. Thank you, sir, for being here. And you're an absolute legend. My question for you today is, is a lot of people are saying that CrossFit is on the downhill of popularity. And I want huh. to know your opinion on that. Ah, that's a good question. Actually, that's yeah. a very good question. Very timely. Uh, <laughs> so Turner, good question. Um, you know, look, I'm a little bit biased. I think CrossFit hit a really strong peak in like 13, 14, 15, which is also when I was like in a really nice peak with it too. Um, but I think over the last couple of years, CrossFit has been trying to find itself. It's gone through the former leadership. Um, there's a lot of stuff that people don't know about the former leadership and a lot of things happen behind closed doors. And it, it, it wasn't the right leadership to take it into the future. The former leadership, the former leadership took it to where it was. And they needed to get out of the way to kind of take it to where it could go is, is the long and short of it. Um, I think that over the last couple of years has been trying to find his footing, but I, the brand new CEO was just announced a couple of days ago. He's actually been a member of our gym for eight years. And I think he's going to do incredible things for CrossFit to rebuild and to grow it into the next phase. So I don't think it's on a downturn as of this very moment because the leadership adjustments and the uh, humility and the awareness they have of where they're at overall um, would be my answer to that. Very Thank cool. you, sir. Very cool. Yeah. He seems like, a, um, I, I didn't know who he was. I saw the announcement. And so I just, you know, looked him up briefly and stuff. It seems like um, it's a completely different vibe, right? You're talking about the why and the figurehead and kind of the energy that that person brings to an organization and, and like it or not, that person's energy um, becomes kind of the ethos of that organization too. And so he, to me, seemed like a very clear shift and a shift in a, in a pretty positive direction. Um, yeah. From, from I mean, he's look, uh, Marine recon, you know, yeah. that, that, that background obviously plays well into the, sure. the demographic, but he's also, you know, Stanford MBA. Uh, yeah. he, he's, he, he's just, he's just one of those dudes. I mean, and here's the thing about him. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, he doesn't have to work. I mean, I was with him two days ago, we were having breakfast yeah. and he doesn't have to work. So he's yep. choosing to do this yeah. because he believes that he wants to make a positive change on the world. And yeah. he believes this is his best way of doing it. He doesn't have to work. So when you find someone with his background that doesn't have to work, but is choosing to work, yep. I mean, that tells me that he sees a lot of potential and that he's going to turn the ship and, and make it legit. That's awesome, man. Oh, I love to hear that. That's super cool. All right, Mr. King, go ahead, sir. Um, I was going to ask, have you always been like been built big? Like built strong as a kid and stuff? Good question. That's, 
That's a good question, actually. So, uh, you know, growing up, my dad was from Iran or is from Iran, I should say, not was, uh, is from Iran. And my mom, you know, uh, neither one of my parents grew up with fitness and sports really in their life. It just wasn't like a, a part of what they were raised around. And so growing up, you know, we played a little bit of soccer and whatnot, but I got into BMX bike racing um, heavily. And I used to do a lot of that type of training, like BMX, like I had rollers in my garage. I, I always wanted to work hard. I just didn't have necessarily mentorship on how to use my fitness accordingly. I just kind of was trying to figure it out on my own, which many kids were at that time anyways. Sure. And so as a kid, I was pretty big. Um, I was pretty, I was, I was chubby. I was kind of like a bigger kid. And I think if I had found fitness earlier, it would have actually been better for me. But the long and short of it is I had this work ethic, but I didn't know how to foster it. Yep. So I got into high school. I had some football coaches. They taught us a few things. I was really trying to get in better shape, but I was still bigger. And I went from, I think if I'm not mistaken, I was like 260 pounds. I was 260, like my freshman or sophomore year of high school, which is pretty big. Right now I weigh 210, but it's a much different 210 than it was at 260. Yeah. I just need to learn how to, you know, how to strength train effectively, get in my conditioning effectively. And so um, I was built with bigger. So I was able to build muscle quicker, but it was harder for me to lean out until I started finding like CrossFit and this style of training where I, I it really just worked well for my body. So I guess the long and short of it is if you are trying to like get stronger, get fitter, try and find people around you who have a knowledge base on that and try and pick their brain on how to do it. Cause there's so many resources right now. And for you guys, like if your main sport is basketball, baseball, football, wrestling, whatever you name your main sport, I'd highly recommend to add in two or three days a week of strength conditioning, CrossFit style training to round out your body. You know, like if all you do is play baseball, you get really good at baseball. If all you do is play this, you get really good at that. But if you add in this strength conditioning outside of that, not only will you probably physically look kind of more the way you want, but also you'll start developing these skills in different areas that'll help you in the future. Yeah, super good. Super good. Good answer, man. Um, I was listening to uh, this morning when I was working out, I was listening to Ben Pikulski. Um, if you've ever had uh, or seen his like muscle intelligence podcast, um, super, super smart guy. He's come on here and, and poured into these young guys before too. And he had on um, Edo Portal. Oh yeah. The kettlebell guy. Yeah. Right? I mean, super yeah. interesting, super interesting guy. And he was talking about um, just the need for transferability. And he was taking it to extremes that I had never even really thought of. And it gave me a lot to, to think about, you know, and, and Ben asked him something about meditation and if he it can, you know, if people that are good at meditating and being focused on the present are usually better movers. And he said, no, he said, it's actually the opposite. He said, I think you end up having to be more present. If there's other things going on, if you're playing a sport, you actually have to be more present than even just the meditation. Um, and he said, you know, I can take people that are great at meditating and can sit and do nothing for an hour. But if I tell them to balance a stick on their finger, for an hour. Well, at some point they're going to lose focus and they're going to get that feedback that it's not working. So it was just really interesting. The, the whole concept of transferability and what you do and which obviously CrossFit is, is very much known for, but um, it might be an interesting podcast to check out. I don't know. I thought it was an interesting conversation. For sure. Uh, Aiden, I'm going to call on you in just a second here, sir. There was one thing related to fitness that I wanted to ask Jason, if you'd seen, have you ever seen a movie called the motivation factor? I have not. Okay. So it's a documentary on the La Sierra high school fitness program. Huh? And so 
this was, it's called the motivation factor. I think it's on Amazon right now for it's like two or three bucks on Amazon. And this La Sierra High School um, is no longer, I think it's still there, but I don't think it's the same, technically the same school. And it's in the Sacramento area. Um, and it was uh, this program that JFK in 1962 came out and said like, hey, this should be the program across all, uh, you know, this should be the standard kind of level of fitness. So these young guys in this video, all these high school guys were shredded and all they did for their high school, for their physical fitness program is, I mean, they had, you know, they had bars out there. They were doing dips. They were doing pushups. They were doing calisthenics. They were doing like the Ninja warrior sort of obstacle course, you know, kind of stuff, but they had to do it on a daily basis. And they were competing if they could hit different standards, you'd get a different color of shorts. Right. And so I looked, I was looking up the standards of what this so actually Zach Evanesh sent me the standards, the old school standards of what those were. And holy cow, like I look at that right now and I'm like, I don't know. I could probably name five people that could do all of this. And these young guys were crushing this, man. It was fun. It was phenomenal. What, what do you think about getting something like a CrossFit program into? And I know that there's all the red tape, but uh, you know, what do you think about the need for maybe CrossFit to, we're not going to get it into the schools, but providing more kids courses, kids type classes. I love that you're working out with your kids. Like, what do you think as far as that goes? And that's just kind of a general open-ended question. Yeah, yeah it has to be done is, is the bottom line. Yeah. It has to be done because it's going to help our young, um, you know, long, young leaders as you describe, you know, uh, in between the ears more than anything else. Yes. I mean, it, yes. you, you know, if nothing else, right, goal setting is so important. Overcoming micro adversity is so important. Yeah. You know, uh, feeling more self confident through uh, shared suffering. There's so many benefits to this, and anybody could do it. You know, mm -hmm. if you look at baseball, football, basketball, you name a sport, right? There's going to be people that have more God given talent in that particular spec, you know, area. Right. When you talk about strength conditioning, all the only thing that people really praise is effort and 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 that's it like i mean when you see someone really putting in a hard workout i don't care how good they're doing or how bad they're doing it it earns respect it re earns respect from their peers and for themselves right so i think that for that reason alone crossfit fitness needs to play a bigger part and i think what's happened is we as a society have become soft we've become soft to this idea because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings we don't want to run the mile for time because oh you know john john can't get it done in 15 minutes like dude well bro we got to get you down like it's, yes. it's it's like i'm sorry but if you can't run a mile in 15 minutes like do we have a problem yeah. we're sedentary all the time we're playing video games we got to be more active and it's not that difficult yeah. it's three days a week get in some physical activity and yeah. all of a sudden it starts building these habits. So the answer is yes. I'm, I'm highly inspired and motivated to get this going because I've seen the effects with my own children. Two things have impacted our kids so much is exercise and, and sports, obviously. Yeah. And then our cold plunge, our cold plunge has been, yes. has been very valuable for learning how to overcome struggle and, and yeah. learn how to breathe through it. So we need to do a, a lot more of that kind of stuff. And it's a mission that I'm on right now to try and find ways to do it in a bigger way. So cool, man. Yeah. I don't think we can't, I don't think we can say, uh, genuinely and with full integrity, Hey, we care about the mental health of our young people. If we don't care about their physical health, if we're not prioritizing that, right. I don't think we can say that we genuinely care about that mental health. Yeah. And just look at the standards that used to be set and now look at where they're at. Right. It's just over yeah. time, they just get yeah. softer and softer and yeah. softer because yeah. you, you, people are, uh, are tired of offending other people. And yeah. it's like, dude, at some point, like, yeah. 
You, just, you know, dude, I've had military clients that I, which is kind of funny because I'm wearing the um, national security campus, uh, their shirt today. And, and I got that gig from coming out of a military client, but I've had military clients where they were saying like, Hey, us as a branch of the military, we are actually considering lowering the physical fitness standards to get in because we are at such a deficit. Yep. That's why. Or, or, or take, you know, most police departments, right? You get yes, through sir. your basic academy yes, and they sir. don't have a reoccurring skills test for strength conditioning. Right. They do have it for, or, uh, for pistol, right? Or for firearms training, yeah. but they don't have it for that. And I, I, it's a byproduct of just people, you know, as they get older, they get a little bit uncomfortable. They don't want to put in the same work. Yep. And so then, but I mean, dude, if, anyways, I mean, we can go off on a whole yeah, tangent totally. there, but yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, man. So wild. Um, there was something else I thought of. I said this. It, the, oh, the cold plunge. Yeah. Ryan Dewey is a good buddy of mine, man. So the cold plunge is, is phenomenal. His sister actually, so one of the campuses I opened, his sister is the high school guide there. Um, and so I had all his nieces at one of my campuses. And so Ryan's been a, a good buddy throughout this whole, when he just had the floats before cold plunge was even yep. thing. Um, so yeah, he's rad, man. And they're doing amazing stuff. He came on uh, one of these calls too. He's a, he's a stud and that cold plunge is no joke. Yeah, I mean, ours, you know, it's it's cold, not crazy cold, but yeah. it's because the kids go in it every day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good. So good, man. You have now taken the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow. Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us, 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes.